right, here we go. Welcome to episode 21 of Closet Talk. I am your host, Ethan. And uh, joining me today on the show is my good friend and comedy mentor, Mr. John Ager. John, what's going on, man? Not much. Just uh, relaxing and talking with you, which is always good. Right, right. Uh, How's your morning been so far? Good. Just basics. Trying to wake up and get some food and uh, plan the day. That's about it, though. Right. Right. Um, dude, I've had, uh, I've had, <laughs> I've had a morning. Uh, so for all the podcast listeners out there, I, John sent me a, a package, um, a, a birthday package and, uh, contained this tomahawk in it. A fucking really bitchin' tomahawk, by the way. And, uh, for whatever reason, I don't know why I did this, John, but I was fucking flipping the thing in the air. And you know how, like, you have something in your hand and you try to make it do, like, a full rotation before you catch it again? Yeah. I was doing that with the tomahawk, and I made it do one full rotation. And then I was like, oh, I'm pretty good at this. Like, I know what I'm doing. Completely don't know what I'm doing. But this is what's going on in my head as I'm doing this. I'm like, oh, I think I'm a, I'm a, a born natural tomahawk person. So I fucking flip it, catch it once, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go for two rotations. And this thing, by the way, is sharp as fuck. Uh, my lady Jackie, she uh, nicked her finger on the blade, like, taking it out of the out of the thing. So, like, she already, like, you know, hurt herself a little bit with it. And so then I decide, okay, I'm going to fucking uh, go for two full rotations on this thing. And I land the two full rotations. And then I fucking just strapped on the littlest dick ever and was like, I can go for three. And uh, three was uh, too much, John. It was too much. And uh, I fucking grabbed, I caught the wrong end and it fucking gashed me all the way down to my fucking tendon. I saw my tendon. And uh, yeah, I thought it was my bone at first. I thought it was my I thought it was my fucking bone and the doctor's like, No, that's your tendon and I was like I know and like he's like, Good thing you didn't cut that, like all this fat on your finger protected it. <clears throat> fucking brutal. Six stitches. Six. Yeah, I, I I think maybe you didn't read it in time, but I said, Look, when you get the box, talk to me first, because I was gonna tell you all those different things. So I wanted to keep you surprised. <laughs> next, next time, I think I'm just going to say, look, there's something very sharp in there, um, and you could hurt yourself, so don't do anything with it yet. Right. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you this much. The fucking shot to numb it for them to clean it out hurt way worse than cutting it with a tomahawk. Dude, that shot hurt so fucking bad. I have never felt a pain like that before. That was like... I've been shot in the leg with a 45, right? Gotten multiple lacerations and shit like that from different things. Never once have I ever felt a fucking pain like that, dude. Wow. That pain... Shot in the leg, that wasn't as bad. Yeah, getting shot in the leg with a 45 was not as bad as that fucking shot, dude. Like, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not exaggerating at all. I swear to God, like, that was the worst thing I think I have felt ever. Yeah, well, you know, I can agree with it because there's a lot of doctors when they do that stuff, it's like they're giving you a shot so they can numb you and do the work, and yet they're moving around in an area where the nerves have been disturbed, so and there's nothing that's going to help. Dude, oh my God, I literally, like, that was the first time I almost passed out from pain. I'm serious. Really? Like, the, Yeah, that was like, I was like, I fucking was trying so hard not to move. I fucking clenched the bed. Like, that was the first time I almost like fucking physically almost lost consciousness. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, dude. So now here I am. I fucking took some painkillers, which by the way, the doctors are very stingy. You know that? Like, I guess they just passed some new law here in Nevada 
And, like, they're requiring people to go through, like, background checks and, like, assessments before, like, they give you any kind of medication. Like, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's all over. Yeah, well, I mean, shit. A, a couple people, you know, I understand addiction is a real thing and people fucking abuse it and everything. But, shit, dude. My fucking finger's falling off. I think I deserve a little bit of fucking pain medication here, sir. Yeah. You know? But. Yeah. At the same time, you know, whatever. Uh, thank goodness I, th- my mom had some laying around the fucking house. Yeah. Uh, you know, but. I, well, see, my doctor right there, I can't think of his name now, but he was the one right there in uh, Reno, along with the, the young kid from Jones West Ford. Uh, they were the ones that uh, did this whole thing, dude. Yeah. They were passing out 800 prescriptions a week. Jesus. So, Yeah. So they fucking blew it for us. The people down at Jones West Ford blew it for us. Yes. Well, not the old man, just the kid. Um, <laughs> the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> well, anyway, are you feeling a little bit better? Um, start. I'm starting to get. I'm waiting for that. Uh, the, these uh, painkillers to kick in, but um, I did take the day off of work, and I was sitting around and I was thinking. I was like. People, people like are going to jobs that they don't like, are doing things that they don't want to do. Like they just started this new attendance policy at my work. Like if you're late, uh, you start collecting points. So, like if you're like ten minutes late, you get like half a point. If you're over fifteen minutes late, you get like a full point. And you know, then you collect enough points, and then they take discipline disciplinary action, John. <laughs> So, and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, it's like, dude, it's only a fucking matter of time then before I get fired or I I quit, you know, like I I had this fucking thought this morning and I wanted to, I wanted to save it for this podcast because it's like, dude, it's only a matter. It's like literally a race right now. Is my employer going to get sick of me before I get sick of them? Like what's, you know, and that like gives me like a level of uncertainty in life. I mean, people can only be what they are like, and me personally believing that I am fucking here to do comedy, being a comedian, like that's the one thing that I feel like I'm good at. That's the one thing that makes me feel fucking good when I do it. You know, and it's that is like a level of uncertainty. Like there's a certain price you have to pay to go after something that you're passionate about, you know, and it's I've just never been a good employee. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, well, fuck, you know, I was trying to save this time off for, you know, taking my lady to go see one of her favorite musicians in San Francisco. And then like a fucking idiot, I cut off my goddamn finger and it's just like that can happen any time. Like, what happens if I break my fucking ankle? Like, and oh, you don't have PTO. Last thing you want to throw on top of that broken ankle is fucking attendance points. You know? Yep. Like, did you ever have this problem when <laughs> when you were growing up? Did you ever? Was there ever a time when you realized, like, okay, I'm just not good at doing this certain job? Like, I'm a comedian. Like, that's what I need to do. Yes. Yes, I, I had that uh, when I was on a trash truck, but uh, I've been on my own for so long that uh, I still couldn't make that de- I could make that decision to leave, but I didn't. Um, so I stayed and hated it and hated it until it was time to leave. Right. Um, and just that Arvado, the one I was just at, that was one of the biggest ones, which is, you know, I hated it every moment of it. And... Finally, what was it? How do I put it? My hate of the job uh, overtook my fear of going out on my own. Right. So you eventually you just got fucking sick of it so much to where you're just like, I need to just take a chance and go out on my own. Yep. I, I couldn't take it anymore. I was going to go postal or whatever. But yeah. See, dude, that's what I feel like is going to happen to me. Like, that's how I've been with every fucking job. I'm, like, literally fucking dealing with a job, you know, and then at nighttime trying to do comedy and trying to get good at doing stand-up, you know, and actually being a fucking comedian that's worth listening to, you know, but 
it's like that's fucking scary to me. It's like, okay, well, you 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 know, Ethan, you're going down a fucking path here that's not really paved, and there's a certain level of like alienation that you're gonna have to go through because not a lot of people go after what they're fucking passionate about. You know, that most people just want a certain fucking pay. They just want a a, a paycheck and security. You know, or what they think is security because at the end of the day. You can always lose your fucking job. Something can always happen, you know? And then it's like, okay, well, then how do I pay all of this shit, you know? Yeah. At what point did you decide, like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do comedy? Oh, uh, well, I decided that a long time ago. But I think that it became a reality when I started uh, doing a whole lot of stuff out here. I did it. Like as full time as I could get for three years, so right. I think that's what it was, and uh, and then after that, I, it was like okay, the bottom fell out, and comedy wasn't paying what it was before, so I got a regular job and did that. But when it came to <clears throat> you know coming back out here to the East Coast, it was when somebody said, "Hey, do you want to manage my club?" That was like oh, okay, I can do that part-time i can do something else part-time and i can do more comedy full-time so right yeah it was made several several times i mean the reason i went out west to Rio was to do comedy that was my my goal i like that because when i was down there uh people from the east coast were talking about how much better the west coast comedy is and everybody on the west coast is talking about how much better the east coast comedy is <laughs> yeah yeah it's all perspective you know, you know i wherever you put out stuff you know right uh i mean for as long as we've known each other john i don't know if i've ever asked you like what got you into doing stand-up like what was the day that where you're just like you know what i'm gonna do comedy like i'm gonna try doing stand-up like what was what was your like moment do you remember the first moment when you decided hey i should do i should try stand-up yeah actually i uh it was a weird a weird time. Um, I had been doing comedy and making people laugh my whole life. And, uh, even in the air force, when there were tense moments, um, just, you know, everything I could do to make people loosen up a little bit when they were tense situations or just having fun. And finally, um, my friend, Joanne, her girlfriend said to me, you should do comedy. And I said, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. That's okay. And I didn't say anything or do anything for about a month. And then she said, well, uh, she sent me a, a list and said, here's a comedy uh, class to take at a college. So I figured, okay, um, obviously something's pointing to me here. So I took the comedy class and uh, my final was doing five minutes in front of uh, people I didn't know and some I did know. And, uh, and that was the start. Um, yeah, that was it. I just, she said, you're you're too good to not be on stage, and it was just a natural thing, natural change. Well, she's fucking right about that, because you are really good. Um, that's funny, though, man, because somebody tells you, like, oh, you should do comedy, and they have no idea what they're signing you up for, basically. <laughs> the yeah. shit yeah. gigs and just the hell that you have to go through to develop, you know? <laughs> Little yeah. did she know, she was, like, basically signing your fucking soul away. Yeah, that, nah, that's funny. But, but, yeah, it's, and you're right. You know, in the beginning, it's like, you keep going and keep going, and it's like, ah, man, I don't, you get away from a gig that has been, like, the, it's the worst bar in town. You don't even get anybody acknowledging the fact that you're alive. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's like, you can't do without it. Right, right. You know? No matter what it is. See, and that's how I, I got to that point where, you know, because when I had decided to do comedy, like, it had kind of, it had kind of already been like you. It had been a part of my life. Like, I just did whatever I could to get a laugh. I hated fucking school. The only thing I liked about school was that I got laughs all the time. Like, I would just, you know, people <laughs> like, oh, he's the class clown, blah, 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 whatever. And it was like, I didn't really care about the titles. I was just like... I just wanted to laugh. That's what it was. And if you, the first time, you know, at least for me, when I got that entire classroom to fucking laugh, 
at something I had said to the teacher, you know, and it wasn't nasty or the teacher even laughed, you know, and when the whole class just fucking erupts in laughter, like it's like this fucking giant wave of energy where everybody is like acknowledging your existence, you know, and it was, and I was just like, fuck, I love doing that. Like I love making people laugh, but it had never occurred to me like that. That's what you can do for work. You know, I knew comedy existed and stand up existed, but I just didn't for what I was an idiot. I didn't realize like, Oh, this is something I can get into and like physically do. I thought like you had to be in like show business out in LA I didn't know, like, you can go to an open mic and start developing material and, you know, work your way out to those things. Um, And I remember seeing, I saw Dane Cook uh, live when he came here to Reno. And uh, still, like, you know, sitting in the audience being like, wow, like, that's cool. He just gets to tell jokes. Like, fucking, I wish, like, I could do that. But, you know, nobody knows who I am. Still just didn't register that, you know. You got to go to an open mic. You got to develop, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I remember watching uh, Louis C.K.'s Chewed Up. And when I watched that, I just had this epiphany, like, in the middle of it, like, I think I'm going to do comedy. And so I immediately just grabbed a notepad and I just started writing. Just started writing, um, you know, about, and I thought at first, when I first started, it was more about, like, oh, uh, you know, be offensive, be dirty, be like Daniel Tosh, you know? And so I just started writing. I started writing, uh, I think my first bit was like something about like how the, the strippers at strip clubs here are like gorillas or some shit like that. Um, <laughs> I forget the bit, but uh, yeah. And then I went down to an open mic, which was not a comedy open mic. It was just like a poetry open mic. So like all of these people are going up performing their fucking poetry. And then like, I was the last to go up. I, I kept getting bumped and, uh, they fucking bumped me all the way to the end. And I remember the guy I had to follow, he had a guitar and he was like singing about like hurting himself. And (laughs) yeah, dude, I called him emo Joe. And, uh, and I was like, already like not knowing anything. I was like, how the fuck am I supposed to make these people laugh after that? Like everybody's fucking depressed now. Like, but I knew I was like, there's so much tension in this room. I need to release that tension, you know? So in a way he kind of actually set me up to succeed because everybody's like sitting there like depressed. And, uh, I went out there and fucking just the first time you go on stage, you know, it's like, holy shit, what the fuck am I doing? And then I started talking and I just started, I fucking crushed it my first time, you know? And I think maybe it was more my attitude than rather than what I was saying, because the jokes weren't good, you know, they weren't developed or anything, but it was really raw, authentic me just trying to make people laugh and it fucking worked really well. And uh, I've been trying to do that ever since. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah. Be cool. Yeah, man. And you see that right there, like, you know, I'm sitting here fucking working at a warehouse, and it's just like, people should just, I mean, I now I understand, uh, like, I understand, like, why people are fucking assholes, and why people are walking around all fucking tense, and being douchebags, and treating people poorly. It's like, you know, because everybody's doing shit they don't want to do. All the time, like all the fucking time, you know, and none of us asked to be here. We just kind of, you know, we're fucking born into this. And, you know, now all of a sudden, like you have to fucking pay bills and go through all this stress and deal with all this shit. And, you know, if you're lucky, you'll eventually get to do what you want to do for a living. Yeah, it's. It's a matter of people have the survival instinct first, you know? Right. And then after that, it's like, I want to do what I want to do. Well, everybody, I think, goes back to the past, because when my father was working hard, my grandfather, it was like, you work at the same place, you do it, you know, 40 years, you get a great pension, and that's it. Well, people started to find out that's not how it works. 
and nobody will take care of you but you. So people get nervous and they find a good job and they want to stay there because they don't want to look for something else and or, or be out of work. Mm-hmm. And then all their, their dreams, they become scared. Um, you know, that's much, much what I was. I was just going through life. Well, what the heck? And Air Force and this and that. And then all of a sudden, I find comedy and it's like, I didn't think about first that it could be full time. It's like the light goes off. Yeah. After a while, it was like, uh oh, I can do this. And then you go, oh, man. And you realize that you you can't get into it for the money. Yeah. You have to get into it for the fun. (laughs) Right. Money isn't going right away. Yeah. I think the. See, the. I've always had that mindset of if this can just keep me, if I could just do this enough and well enough to just be able to just pay my fucking rent, like I'll be happy, you know, like I don't need like this extravagant fucking lifestyle. You know, if I can fucking just travel around, do some comedy, have my son taken care of, have my fucking bills taken care of, like that's the fucking goal, right? I mean, that's the dream. I mean, is that how it is for you or did you, were you trying to get a pool in your fucking living room? The dream for me was to live well and not have to worry about punching a clock with anybody but the audience. Right. Um, and part of that was, of course, trying to, to get into, um, into ships and all sorts of things, you know, and, and not necessarily make it a thing because I know a lot of comedians who have worked at this for a long time and haven't really made it big in the way of movies or anything like that. Uh, some of them had big parts and stuff, but the main thing was that they were their own boss and they, they have made a great living doing this. Right. You know, and that's the, that's the key. Well, you know? I mean, because I've been watching a lot of, uh, a lot of Bill Hicks lately because I just fuck, like he was always one of my favorite guys just because like something about him, like he just always seemed like he had a fucking, like a message, you know, like he had like, a truth and like he had this angst and like this fucking like this thing that he's like trying to get out of him you know and he's trying to explain it to these people the best they can and nobody's getting it you know and he just I could just really relate to that where you just have this fucking thing that you're just trying to get out and you just can't and I was I saw this interview with him and he was talking about how um you know the person had asked him like oh um we hear like comedian, all comedians are like depressed and he's like, no, that's not true. I don't believe that. And, uh, they're just like, well, I mean, a lot of comedians came up in a, you know, a rough upbringing and he, uh, he like, well, who didn't have a troubled background? We all did, you know, all of us have a fucking troubled background. And, uh, he, he was like, he's like, I get to go around work maybe one hour a night the money's fucking good. I get to travel around. I get to tell people my fucking opinions. I get to say what I want to say. And these people listen to me and they give me money. And he was like, and I'm, how am I going to sit here and bitch about that? Like I, then I would be truly insane and depressed, you know, like how can you complain about that? He's like, it's a fucking great lifestyle. You know, it's hard, but it's a great fucking lifestyle. Right. You know, that's kind of awesome. Yeah, and you know, because he the, just the way he was talking about it, I was just like, yeah, you know, like we're so fucking lucky that we get to do this, you know, on whatever level it is that you're at right now. We're just so fucking lucky we get to do it, you know. Yeah. Well, it's not only luck though. I mean, we've taken the chances. How many people have you and I've seen? Uh, I know I've seen a lot, even out here, that they come in, they try it. Um, if they don't, you know, they, they want to start at the bottom as a, uh, headliner, you know? Right. And if they don't, uh, if they don't take the place by storm and become a millionaire in the first two years, they're upset and they leave. And it's like, you know, we talked about it. You have to do it for the fun of it and you have to be good at it. Uh, and if not good, you have to make yourself good at it. Right. And, and the, the love, I mean, 
mean, the love of laughter is the key. That's... The love of taking you on a ride that they've never been on before, and you're in control of the ride. That's amazing. Right, right. Now, was, like, comedy, um, like, being, like performing stand-up, is that, like... Is that as far as you want to go with it, or is there like an ending, like a, a thing that you would really enjoy doing, like uh, writing skits or uh, acting or anything like that, or is just performing in front of sold-out audiences just the that's the top for you? Well, I think that would be that is definitely one of the tops, but it's not the only thing. I love writing. Um, I'm good at it. In fact, I write with Jeff uh, on the comedy consultant. Uh, we write everything from roasts and toasts to scripts. Um, yeah, uh, you know. for those of you listening to the podcast, uh, John is a writer for this thing called the comedy, uh, the comedyconsultant.com, right? Yep. Yeah, and so basically uh, it's a place where you can uh, hire um, comedic writers and stuff for you know your family events, gigs, things like that, and uh, John's one of the writers on that. Um, yeah. And, you know, and do that. Yeah, and doing acting. I mean, I've done some acting in the past. I, I think I could do back both comedy and dramatic. And uh, right, but the main thing is uh, the comedy and getting so good at it that, uh, like you said before, you can't be denied. Just being so good at it that you take people on a trip and you never leave the farm. Right, right. Becoming undeniable. That's like yeah. the. That's like because if you get that good, man, like. Success finds you at that point, right? If you're so fucking good, I mean, you're 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 not gonna go unnoticed. You see, for me, that I mean, I know uh, lots of comedians that use they they're using comedy as like a catalyst to like boost their acting career, you know, because as a stand-up comedian, you're basically acting when you're on stage, um, and so they use it as like a little catalyst to get them into the movies and get them roles and shit like that and commercials and um me i guess i I never really when i was a kid i wanted to be an actor like that was my first thing because I, I saw jim carrey and that was like my inspiration right there um you know i wanted to do that but now that i'm in comedy i don't know if acting is what i really want to do as an end result but you know, I think writing like uh, scripts because m- me and my friend Mikey, we would we would write scripts, uh, like uh, skits. Sorry, not scripts, skits. Um, you know, and we would act these things out just to get a laugh. You know, so I think that would be fun. I think that would be fun um, versus actually acting. You know. Well, yeah, but I think it's more of a uh, one of those things where it's a natural progression. Uh, sometimes, like. Uh, I know Robin Williams, I'm sure he didn't get into comedy to be an actor. Um, he got into comedy because he loves comedy. Right. Same thing with Crystal. Same thing with, uh, you know, just all these guys. Now, you know, Red Skelton went from acting to becoming a uh, a comedian. So, I mean, it, it, I think it's how it flows. Jim Carrey, I mean, funny actor, funny as hell. Quite a good serious actor, too. But, um, you know, he had a lot of good stuff. And all of a sudden, here it is. It showed up. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, you make yourself good and other people see you for other things. Right. Now, was there, for you, was there a, um, a tra- how long did you do open mics for? I mean, uh, before you decided, like, okay, I'm going to take this onto the road. Well, um, I, uh, I was lucky. I didn't do probably maybe six months of open mics probably total. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would go back to them back and forth, but uh, I didn't have to go to many because um, I just was nice. I kept getting better and better, and somebody picked me up uh, as an MC and host, and then they taught me the right way to do things, you know? Mm-hmm. So I learned... So you had a mentor? No. You had a mentor? Yeah, I mean, I had Jimmy Carroll, you know, and Chris Carroll. I mean, are they still know, performing? What's that? Are they still performing? Oh, well, Jimmy is. Chris is his wife. Oh, okay. So, so she's the one who runs everything. But 
but they taught me how to, you know, how to use the microphone, how to do this, how to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, what year was it when you started? I started, let's see, 1993. 93? And what? You said 1993? Yeah, 1993. So the the boom, the whole comedy boom was like kind of closing down. Was it still going on or it was kind of coming to a close by then, right? Well, yeah, the big heyday was the 70s, late 70s and 80s. Um, and they were making ungodly amounts of money. Uh, so when I get in, I, I went full-time I had a part-time job, but I went full-time for three years because I was getting such good stuff. And then all of a sudden, it was like I couldn't, you know, make it anymore money-wise. Right. So I had to, to back off and just do it part-time. Yeah. And that's crazy, too, because you're a good headliner, John. You know that? Yeah, man, you had a good uh, a good little routine going on when uh, when I first met you, and then uh, we started writing together, and now you have like a whole new two hours. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it is amazing. We uh, we wrote a lot. You know, you actually were the one who got me going on my gay material, being gay, and everything about that. Um, but yeah, I, I have three sets of an hour and a half of material, so I'm I'm. You know, and even now we're, you know, I'm changing it. We write more. But, yeah, when we started writing together. I always thought that writing together was good, much better. But, you know, as you know, when you start to write with people who mostly do uh, open mics, they're not really there to write. They're there to drink. They're there to have fun. They're there to, you know, just do whatever else except write. Yeah. And for me, it was horrible because I, I wanted to write. So I never really got to write with many people until I got to write with you. What's your, uh... And, uh, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, and Jeff, that was all. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Um, now, what do you do? You have a process. Do you actually sit down and write, right, or do you type, or do you just uh, kind of take notes throughout the day? Like, do you have a dedicated writing time? I uh, I have a dedicated writing time now. For a while there, I did not. Uh, I would write whenever I had the time. Uh, I'm always collecting notes. I write it tight. I write them all down. I write down all my ideas. Um, because during the day, as you know, you see and hear and, and figure out so many silly things, um, and I write them down. And sometimes I get to all of them, sometimes I don't. But uh, then at night I'll write, and then I'll see, you know, what's moving on or what's doing well. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, I've been doing. Um, I, I I read in this book about you know how you never edit on your first draft. Um, you always, uh, you let everything flow out of you and then you take your first draft up on stage and you don't edit it until you listen to it back. Like the audience basically is, um, your editors. So you go up there, you do the thing and you see what gets a laugh, what doesn't, and then you just tighten it up from there. Um, so that's what my, my process has been like that a lot lately where I have an idea and I just write everything as much as I can. I almost do almost like bullet points of the topic. Like what's the point of what I'm saying? Um, and then I, I, I kind of find it easier to kind of mesh it together. But uh, Tim uh, Tim Gaither, uh, he has a podcast too. Check out uh, Tim the Tim Gaither podcast. You can hear it on SoundCloud and stuff. Uh, he told me that um, people get so, you know, cause I want to develop it my first hour. And he's like, people get so wrapped up in, uh, you know, trying to write an hour. He's like, break it down. Just try to write three minute increments. Um, he said, uh, Brian Burgess, I think it's Brian Burgess, uh, told him that he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have, uh, 49 minutes. He has seven, seven minute sets that he combines uh. together. <laughs> <laughs> the way to do it yeah you know I mean, as I get different sets done I replace others sometimes or I add on I mean you know a lot of my stuff started off uh, as a two minute bit or three minute bit and now there's seven eight minutes right yeah you always told me not to throw out any of my stuff because I had that habit of you know telling a joke once or twice and then that that's that was it. It would go in the trash, and I would write a new joke. 
Yeah, and it was it was golden. There was stuff in there that was so golden, and you know that's also why I say you should tape every set you ever do. It doesn't have to be videotape, it's just audio tape. But the thing is, you come out with such genius, you don't realize what the genius is, uh, and then you say it, and it's like, oh man, that's gorgeous, and then you can't remember it. Right. And and the deal is that I've seen it many times. I've seen it with you. Many, many, many times, and uh, and make a rally the same way. It's like you gotta you gotta audio tape this stuff because the stuff coming out of your mouth is pure genius, and you're not remembering it, right? You know, because that's when you when you hit your stride on stage, and you and I have both had that happen, and, and so has Dave many, many times. Where all of a sudden it's surreal. It's like time stands still. Everything you're saying is perfect. The audience is getting it. You're in the zone. You don't have to remember or forget anything because it just is all there. You know where it is. You trust. And all of a sudden, it's like, boom, boom, boom. You're killing them. And then you forget what all you said because sometimes it's just made up on the spot. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Admittedly, um, this uh, past July marked my sixth year in comedy, but... Um, I feel like the, this last year I haven't really done anything for comedy. I've done a lot of writing and read a lot of books, but I haven't really performed too much. And, uh, so, you know, I was thinking, I was like, well, who says that I have to say I've been doing it for six years? Why don't you, now that you have tasted it for this last six years, why don't you actually try to do the job now? And, so I'm like, okay, so I'm basically just starting over. This is my first year in comedy, um, and I'm actually doing the work. I have a dedicated notebook um, that uh, I log my where I performed at, how much time I did, what jokes I did, what didn't work, what did work. Um, and basically I'm going to start tr – I'm tracking my 10,000 hours now um, and audio recording everything, and that uh, – that external hard drive that you gave me, um, I have a whole folder on there where I'm keeping every audio clip from all of my performances, um, and I try I try to video just so that way I can um, go back, review it, and be like, why did that get a laugh? Why didn't that get a laugh? Because I read in that book it was saying um, when you review your set, like look at what worked. But more importantly, look at what didn't work because then you're going to know right away which, you know, um, attitudes and emotions you're just not good at conveying. Um, and then you look at the things that did work and it's like then you can start writing jokes that are more framed around that perspective, you know, like that um, that attitude. Yeah, and I like what you were saying because I was going to say something for you because you're right. The years doesn't matter. Um it's what you put into those years. I mean, I've been doing comedy a long time, but uh, am I further along than I was, you know, five years ago? Absolutely. Am I where I want to be? No. Have I put in all the effort I could? No. So it's a matter of, you know, what do I want to do? Um, I took it very seriously. I am still taking it seriously, but it's one of those things where it doesn't matter how many years I put in, how good am I? How how fun I am, funny am I? How can I take any situation and and make a diamond out of a piece of coal? You know, right? Well, you see, you're you're absolutely right about that because there are some people that are just fucking naturally just hilarious, you know, hilarious. And what it takes them, uh, it might it might not take them six years to get as good as you. It might take them a little bit shorter. You know, that's right. Um, so the years, you're right. The years don't really, they don't really matter too much. Uh, but because uh, it, once again, it's like that saying that you told me. Um, it's not how much time, um, how much uh, time is your comedy. It's how much comedy is in your time. Yeah. I see. Yeah. It. <clears throat> the old old school always said, you know, well, you have to start here. You have to start out as an MC, uh, and you have to do this minutes and and this many minutes and this here and this here. And it's like, well, 
not really, because if I'm teaching somebody, I don't want them to take as long as it took me. I went the, I went what was called back then the correct route. Well, the correct route for me is not the correct route for anybody else. So, yeah, um, it's very individualized. And, yeah. So, you know, I mean, and you and I both know people that say right away, well, you know, I've got 15 minutes. I'm a headliner, and I understand you're not, but you know, that's what you're saying. Right. Um, but being smart about it and saying, you know what, I'm good. I really have to work on certain things and that's it. That's all you need to do. Yeah. And you see, that's the thing is some people don't respect that. Like they don't, everybody just thinks like, Oh, I have, I have an hour. I have four hours. I have, I have all this time. Uh, there's this, uh, I don't want to drop any names, but, uh, this one, uh, female comic and, you know, she hasn't even been doing comedy a year yet. And, uh, you know, she was like talking about how she's, you know, doing a headline set and all this stuff. And she's only been doing it like six months. I'm like, headlining what? You don't, you don't even have an hour of material. (laughs) You know, it's like people just automatically think like, oh, I can go up there and, you know, make a funny face for a fucking hour and that's it. Like they don't really like take into consideration the actual amount of work it takes to actually make an entertaining hour, you know? Right. Right. Or like we talked about before, the one person I know that told me, I don't know, I was out there for maybe three years and she said, Hey, I finally made it. I'm a headliner. I've got an hour worth of material. And it's like, well, you don't have an hour worth of material. You're not a headliner. You actually have 15 minutes of material four times. That's all you really have. So, right, and and it's the key where, you know, you're trying to make yourself big because uh, of the name. You know, I'm going to be the headliner. I'm going to be the feature, whatever it may be. You you can call me anything you want, as long as I do the time I'm supposed to do, and I can do 45 minutes to an hour and 20. I've done hour. I've done an hour and 20 minutes, at least a dozen times. Yeah. You know, once you're in the zone, it's not hard to do, but. You know, you still have to figure out, okay, I have to have a few hours worth of material because if I use an hour and a half of material in the first 20 minutes, hmm, something's going to be wrong. Right. Well, you uh, see, that's so, – that. go ahead. No, you're right. Yeah, th- that's the thing too is uh, like you, you always told me like um, when you think you have an hour, you really only have, you know, maybe 15 minutes of good stuff and the rest is filler. So, you know, you have to really have like – four hours of material to have one hour of actual material. Right. Right. And you see, that's the thing is like, I have notebooks upon notebooks, some things that have never been said, uh, things I have used and said. And, you know, right now being, you know, I'm a feature. I think that's where I'm at right now. I'm a feature. I could do 20 minutes. I could do 30 minutes, you know, but I remember one time I tried an hour one time and it was fucking hard, man. I struggled through it. I fucking bullshitted my way, <laughs> bullshitted my way through that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I remember how long that felt. Yeah. You know, like yeah, you're up there and all of a sudden it's like, Jesus, I did everything I know. I got another forty minutes to go. What the hell am I going to do now? Yeah. And then you start pulling things out of your butt. Um. And then you've also been up there where you've done uh, quite a good amount of time, and it has been very easy for you because you're in the zone. You're not worried. You're not thinking about it. You're just doing it. So. Yeah. Now, did you uh, did you how did you go about developing an hour? Because I'm going to start working on my hour now. Did you just take a bunch of your jokes and pile them together, or how, how how what's the process like of like building a fucking hour? Is it just keep on going up and just keep adding new jokes until you have an hour worth of good jokes? Yeah, I think that's basically what it was. I mean, I took some jokes that I had, like I said, they might have been two or three minutes long, um, and started increasing on them. So, you know, I had different jokes that uh, I expanded on. Um, I learned also to let the audience laugh to, to pause, um, which helped out because you don't have to do an hour exactly, you know, 59 minutes of material. No, you know, some of that is laughter. Some of that is whatever. So 
uh, I did that, and then I would just add jokes as I found them, and uh, I would try them out. Um, and I would try them out on stage. I'd put a new joke in between two jokes that I knew were good. Um, you know, I knew that they were timed, they were tested in front of people. Um, and then, you know, sometimes something would come to me uh, on stage with one of the jokes, and I would just, you know, throw it out there. Right. Um, writing with you, you know, uh, writing with Jeff. It was one of those things where when you and I were out there together for those years, you know, just writing all the time, all of a sudden it's like, oh, click, here's another good one. And then you look at them, you put them together, you know, in reasonable um, silos or sequence, and all of a sudden, all right, wow, I'm up to a half an hour. I've got 40 minutes of jokes, but I'm, that's really about a half an hour, and then you keep going. Do you, you know? do you time your jokes? Do you, like, when you, like, rehearse them in your head or something, do you time how long they take? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so I rehearse jokes for, for time, and then I rehearse all the jokes total for um, for a total set time. Okay. I heard this thing uh, that Louis C.K., like, he was talking about his jokes, and they asked him about a joke of his, and he was like, Oh yeah, that joke. It takes me two minutes and thirty seconds to say. It contains six hundred and eighty-four words, and uh, fucking eighteen pauses. Like that blew my fucking mind. It's like, wow, you know the joke that fucking well, to yeah. where you you know how many pauses, how many words, like the syllables and shit. Yeah, and I don't I don't know mine that well, but the thing with knowing your your jokes well however you can do it um the big part of that is that you can go off script you can all of a sudden you see something happening or somebody says something and then you just veer off because right. you know know your stuff so well you can always come back to it right <clears throat> yeah see that's that's interesting because lately with my writing i'm actually writing and i'm actually paying attention to where my pauses are. I'm actually writing my pauses, basically. Yeah. You know, because uh, I'm, I'm realizing, like, how fucking strong it is, like, how strong of a comedic tool it is to be silent, not say anything. Silence, right. you know? Instead of, oh. get, instead of getting nervous in silence, like, actually using it to, you know, make your joke hit harder. Sure. Well, and, and the other thing is, Silence and giving them a look. You know, for you, it's that shitty grin look or, you know, uh, a goofy look. That works. Um, pausing, like you said. Uh, you know, sometimes it's just, I, I found out that sometimes I'll giggle at my own damn joke and then it makes them giggle harder. Right. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden you're standing there and you're thinking, oh, here's a good tagline and you just say it. And then everybody dies. I just thought of that. I can't believe that. Yeah, see, that's the fun part too. Is when you just come up with shit like that on on stage. It just something just comes to you, just and you're like, oh, I know this is gonna work. Yeah, and that happens to you very often. It happens to me too, but I've seen it happen to you very, very often. Um, <laughs> then it recorded and forgot it, like you said, John. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I've, I've literally been there, and we've written things down because. I, I know you didn't record it, but it's it's just good shit. I mean, you'll be talking on the phone coming home from work, and we're talking. And all of a sudden, I'm, you know, here comes something, and I'm like, Jesus, dude. <laughs> I don't know how your brain works, but you ought to, you really ought to take that and write it down. Yeah, sometimes I really wish I can just record my audio of myself all day long, you know, but... I find when I do that, then I have, you know, 13 hours of audio I need to listen to, and so I yeah. just don't do it. <laughs> well, the other way is just have a recorder and just turn it on, say a few notes, and put it back. By the time you're done in the day, you'll probably have 40 minutes to take a look at. Right, right. <clears throat> well, what you got going on the rest of the day, man? Me, uh, I got to run some errands. I got to... Uh, put out some fires uh, and stuff for a uh, uh, called? Uh, fundraiser in October. Um, so other than that, you know, normal, everyday guy stuff, so don't stink, you know, shower and, right. you know, laundry and all that stuff. Make sure you, you wash your whole ass. 
not just my asshole. <laughs> um, well, me today, I'm just going to relax. Like my Finally, those uh, pain medicine is wearing in, so I don't feel my finger like throbbing so much. But um, did this podcast. I'm going to work on some comedy, uh, clean up the room, and just kind of um, hang out. Um, so if you want, we can uh, do the Skype and all that stuff after you're done. Yeah, that'd be good. Work uh, on some stuff. And we'll go from there. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we reached the 50-minute mark, so uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, dude. It's always a pleasure with you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, do you have any stuff you want to hype? Any shows coming up? Um, you know, uh, no, nothing at the moment. Mine are all in October, November. So October, November. Okay. Um, so everybody can find you on social media, I assume, Facebook. Um, yep. John S. Hager the third. Yep. John S. Hager the third. Um, you don't have like Twitter or anything like that, huh? I do, but I forget what it is. I'm going to have to look it up. Right. Okay. Well, uh, also the comedy consultant, right? Uh, check that out. If you guys are in need okay. of some comedic writers, John is uh, pretty hilarious. So, um, all right, bud. Well, uh, I'll give you a call back here in a little while. I'm going to wrap up the show, and um, then we'll make some plans and get together do some writing. Thanks, good. Take care. Uh, all right, man. Take it easy. I'll talk to you soon. All right, everybody. That uh, is my good friend and comedy mentor, Mr. John Ager. Fucking hilarious comedian. Taught me a lot about comedy. Um, and that is going to wrap up today's uh, podcast. I know it's been a while since I put one out, but you guys will start getting a new hour from me every week. Um, and uh, I've just been going through a lot of different life shit. And then also in the process, almost cutting off my fucking finger. Uh so yeah, that wraps up today's podcast. Uh, feel free to, um, you know, submit any questions or comments, or uh, if you have a business or whatever, it doesn't even have to be a business, a hobby, or something you just want to talk about. Uh, just uh, send me a message at closet talk with Ethan at gmail dot com, and we can get you on the podcast. Um, you can listen to this podcast on. There are so many freaking platforms that we are on right now. Let me just show you or list some of the ones that we're on here. So you got uh you can listen to us on Anchor, iTunes, Google Podcast, SoundCloud, YouTube, Breaker, Castbox, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Um So yeah, that's that uh, those are <laughs> that's a whole list of places you can listen at. Uh so thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Um and I will catch you guys on the next one.